You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Dan. Uh, on behalf of myself and the tech-savvy at-risk youth, I'd like to welcome you to another edition of the Savage Lovecast, the once-a-week-out-loud version of my sex advice column, Savage Love. The number here at the Lovecast, 206-201-2720. If you'd like to record a question for a future Lovecast, uh, that's the number to call. If you haven't recorded a question yet, you should. If you're drunk, we especially encourage you to record a question because we really enjoy those drunk dials. Uh, we got a lot of questions from this week. We're going to get right to them after this. Today's episode of Savage Love is brought to you by adamandeve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products. Go to adamandeve.com and get 50% off just about any item when you type SAVAGE for the offer code coupon checkout. Hi, Dan. My name is Alan. I'm a 31-year-old gay man. With my boyfriend of four years, uh, we moved out here together. Um, basically, my problem is this. After... A week of fighting, um, he went out and fooled around with one of our friends on me. Um, this just happened two nights ago. He told me about it the next morning right away. Uh, we had been having problems for a while, and he'd been having a lot more problems than he, than I was really aware of, uh, mainly due to the fact that he doesn't work as much as he'd like to. It, it's taken him you know, four years to find a part-time job that he really likes. And, you know, he's trying to get into the entertainment industry. So he's dealing with all these feelings of worthlessness of stuff. Um, thing is, I am a full-time graduate student, and I'm the one paying most of our bills. I'm working two jobs. And, you know, I spend a lot of time at a mental hospital. And then... You know, here I am pulling in all, almost all of the money, and apparently that's not enough. And he went out and fooled with a recent friend that I had met and brought into our lives and, you know, was supposed to be just a friend. Um, they made out uh, naked, played with each other before my boyfriend decided that that wasn't satisfying. So he stopped after, he says, after... 15 to 20 minutes, and then he told me it was probably more like 10. Um, they were really hammered, and when I, you know, texted the quote-unquote friend with my nasty text, basically saying, you know, F you, uh, he tried giving me the drunk defense, which, you know, hello, thank you, no. I don't know. I, I'm thinking I want to try to work things out. I'm really confused, and I don't know, it would be really cool to be able to talk to someone who could talk about this. So, look, I, I listened to your call, and my very first reaction, you know, sitting at Ann Landers' desk uh, was an old Ann Landersism, which is you need to ask yourself whether you'd be better off with him or better off without him, and then answer right. that question. So I just put it to you, which is it? Um, so far, I, I'm, I'm thinking with. Um, Why is it, that? It, it's hard. Um, I mean, you just you know you just told everybody who's listening, you know, what sucks about him. <laughs> he doesn't have a job. Yeah. He you know drunk, got drunk. He cheated on you, and you know he has caused to minimize what actually happened. 
Um, you know, maybe there was no uh, oral or anal contact, and maybe they both came to their senses after 10 minutes of drunk making out, but maybe not. Um, so what's uh, what are the, the upsides of this boyfriend that make you want to keep um. When I uh, when I broke up with my evil ex, I actually made a list of of things I wanted in somebody, and then I had like every single thing when I met uh, this guy now. And he moved to, um, and he moved out there for you. I uh, we kind of decided to move here together. He wanted to get into the whole movie industry, and I wanted to go to grad school. Mm-hmm. So um, I. You know, we looked over places that we could go, and uh, New York was out for me because I, I absolutely hate New York. What were you fighting about before um, he went out and stupid. sucked naked with this other guy? Well, it, it was totally stupid. It's a week-long fight that was ridiculous because uh, he went out with this guy, and they were just hanging out, and uh, this guy was, like, posting pictures to his Facebook account from his phone. And I, I looked at him, and I, I got kind of jealous because it's like he was out there having all this fun with someone else, and while you're he's not able. Two, while you're working two jobs, paying all the bills, going to grad school, and hanging out with nuts. Yeah, and, and he's, uh, he, he's not able to have that kind of fun when we are able to go out. We went to Vegas, and he did not have any fun. Um, How old are you? I'm 31. How old is he? 24. Maybe it's time to pull the plug. Yeah, I'm, it, it, it's it's really like, and, and you know, we we actually did start our couples therapy, but I, I was actually more frustrated with that than anything because it's one more bill you know, to she, pay. That and she just wanted to focus. On, oh, oh no, he's paying that. Oh. Like, <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> no, no. Like, I, I mean, I go to my own therapy as part of my program. Um. But uh, no, this is this is his bill to pay because I'm just as much as I'll invest the hour a week into it and everything. Okay, so why when I asked you if you'd be better off with him or without him, did you say with? Um, like like I said, it's uh, I, I'm a pretty hardcore gay nerd. Um, it, it's been really nice to you know one of the things that I do absolutely love about him is that we share a lot of the same interests. Um, I actually, about three days after this all happened, we were watching Jeopardy together, and I know this is, like, totally out there, but I had this moment, you know, like, we were just actually in the moment, and we were having a good time watching this this show together, and uh, I, I had the thought to myself, you know, we, we can't break up, it's, like, it's stuff like this why we're together, you know, like, and I know that's ridiculous, um, Empathetic. What, yeah. yeah. You know, if the highlights of your relationship are those moments when you're sitting together on the couch watching a game show, right? Something's wrong. Like those should be yeah. the highlights of your relationship when you're 80. Yeah. You know, that you both don't have prostate cancer yet, and you can sit up straight on the sofa and watch Jeopardy together when you're 80. It should right. be a highlight. It shouldn't be a highlight when you're 31 and 24. Yeah, and, and, you know, I, I I tried... And it sounds like there's a dependency here, like he's financially dependent on you. Perhaps he's, you know, need to throw it out there. Perhaps he's using you. 
If there's not if a lot of is, pleasure here, if there's not a lot of pleasure in this relationship, if you don't have a strong sexual connection, if you don't enjoy spending time together, if you go to Vegas and you have a lousy time, but if he goes out with other people, he has a great time. If you're killing yourself to pay all the bills, if you're in couples counseling already and you're in therapy and waka, waka, waka. Yeah. Maybe it's just not working. Right. And you need to think about whether it should continue. And you should bring that up with the couples counselor that he's paying for and see what she has to say, recognizing, of course, that she has an incentive to stay. That, say that you should stay together because then she can continue to counsel you and bill you hourly. Right. Okay? Yeah, great. Sorry, man. Thank you very much. Uh, I, I appreciate hey, the honesty. There's lots of other gay nerds out there. There's yeah. a whole gay nerd seen universe that's been brought together by the internet <laughs> uh, where the right. gay nerds can circumnavigate the cruelty of the bars uh, <laughs> and find each other and love each other and you know have fun together until they're 80 and then they can sit on the couch and talk about how they don't have prostate cancer together and enjoy Jeopardy. Alright? Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Bye. Hey Dan, I had a piece of feedback on one of your um, podcasts um, when you were talking about marriage and he said 23 was too early and people shouldn't get married until they're 33. And I um, wanted to give you the breeder uh, feedback on this. That's not going to work from a biological standpoint. Um, to, if you get married when you're 33, you want to have a couple years before you have kids, right? Well, 35 is considered advanced maternal age. There's a host of difficulties, increased um, chromosomal defects, uh, Increased trouble in conceiving that come on with women who try to have um, children late in their childbearing years. Even with the great fertility medication we have now, um, it leads to a lot of problems. And you could say, you know, oh, overpopulation, people shouldn't be having so many kids anyway. But I know firsthand that this causes huge heartache with women who want children and who think that they have forever. It's also putting a huge burden on our medical system. If you do a little research, uh, the fertility medications mean that there's a lot more twins and triplets and higher order multiples being born. That's bad for the kids. It's, um, it's, you know, it causes, again, all kinds of problems and it causes a huge cost. So, um, you know, the whole marry when you're 33 thing, uh, from a biological clock standpoint, it just, it, it doesn't really work. Biologically, perhaps, marrying early uh, works out. It doesn't socially, it works out very well. Um, you know, kids may be a bit harder to come by, to conceive, uh, to birth, if you put off marriage. But kids uh, seem to be less likely to wind up with a lot of problems uh, if parents – if people marry later. Those problems being, you know, having divorced parents and the complications of love, broken home. Um so I, maybe we should strike a happy medium. I said you shouldn't marry at 23. You should marry at 33. If 35 is advanced maternal age, perhaps people should marry at 28 or 29 and pop one out right away. But we can't get around the fact that uh, young marriage correlates very strongly with young divorce and divorce is bad for children like war and other living things. Today's episode of Savage Love is brought to you by AdamandEve.com where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products. Visit adamneve.com and get 50% off just about any item when you type savage for the offer code coupon 
check out. Uh, I was dinking around on adamandeve.com just a moment ago and uh, dinked into, as I am wont to do, the butt plug section because I'm a big fan of butt plugs. Uh, not necessarily personally, uh, but I'm a fan of I, – I recommend them a lot to the straight boys who want to give anal uh, pleasure a, a spin without having to jam something that resembles a cock into their asses, which is a you know a high psychological barrier for a lot of straight guys. And you will find many interesting butt plugs uh, at adamandeve.com, including the Adam and Eve Prostate Pro 5. Prostate Pros 1 through 4 are collector's items. Now you can only get Prostate Pro 5 currently. Um, but that one is a bit cyborg-y. Uh, you might want to look at uh, the Red Devil butt plug, the uh, Pony plug, which has a tail, which I think is charming on the right guy. And uh, I-, I don't recommend the Clear Jelly plug just because th- the name is so terrible. But these others I recommend strongly. And why they're good for – the straight boys, of course, is uh, a butt plug rests in your ass. It is not, as some straight boys think, uh, you know, a cork that gay men need to stuff up their butts when we have butt fucked our way t- to incontinence. Um, it's actually got you know a wide section picture a lava lamp that you put in your ass, a wide section, and then it narrows, and then it has a flared base. And what happens is your sphincters close around the narrow section, hold that wide section against your prostate. And when your sphincters contract as you have your orgasm, boys, it sort of moves the plug against your prostate, which feels amazing and i recommend it and it won't make you gay i promise i was even uh rapping earlier with the tech savvy at risk youth i busted out some rhymes which is unlike me Uh, i won't do it now i won't put you through it Uh, but i guarantee uh that a butt plug will not make you gay a butt plug may make me a rap star one day though but you can go to adamandeve.com and you might get 50 percent off one if you type in savage for the offer code coupon checkout Hi, Dan. I'm a 20-year-old lesbian. My girlfriend is 24, and we've been together for over a year. I just graduated from college in the town where we both live, and I was planning to go and uh, enter a master's program in this town, but that didn't work out. So I'll be in this town for the next year, and then I'm, I'm leaving to go into a Ph.D. program far, far away. Um, she can't come with me because she she wants to stay near her family and she needs to finish schooling. And we've both decided that we don't want to have a long-distance relationship. So most likely we've got about another year together. And the thought that it's going to come to an end is is upsetting me a lot. When I'm with her, I just I cry. I can't stand the thought that that it's it's going to have to end and there will come a time when I, I won't get to really know her anymore. Um I know that all relationships end, but the fact that ours has a definite sort of countdown and and it's not really because we don't love each other anymore is just, it's driving me crazy. I feel like if I stay with her for the next year, maybe it'll be so hard to break up with her when we finally do that, you know, I won't be able to leave and and go to this PhD program like I know that I need to, to be a real grown-up. So my question is, what do I tell myself so that I don't spend the next year feeling sorry for myself and, and ruining our time together? Um, any advice you have would be really great because I'm just, I'm a mess. Hey, my job. Sometimes I really do because now I have to tell the crying lesbian that in my, in the dark black spinning ball of dirt and ice that is my heart, that is my soul, I suspect that this girlfriend of yours, this woman you love is counting the minutes until you go. It's not that she can't come with you. It's that she won't. 
come with you. She's choosing not to go with you, which means she is sort of unilaterally ending this relationship. You kind of both are, but her more so because you're not willing to even contemplate a long-distance relationship and sometimes those things work out. I have good friends who weathered a long-distance relationship that lasted as long as med school lasted. So it can be done. But you guys are choosing not to do it and it seems that you know the decision is 70 percent hers not to do it. She may be enjoying the time she spends with you. She may love you. Uh, you may love her. But clearly she's not picturing you as this person that she can't live without and wants to spend the rest of her life with. It's been my experience that people who fall in love and decide that this is the person or a person that they cannot live without or and would like to spend the rest of their lives with, that they make some effort to make that happen. I followed a guy to Germany once. Uh, my boyfriend and I have made sacrifices, both of us, so that we can stay together. Um, you guys aren't willing to make those sacrifices, maybe because you're young. You know, Maybe you can break up now and then after you're done in, with your PhD and after she's done with college, you can see about you know where you're going to wind up, what cities you're going to wind up in and whether you're single then. In the meantime though, don't see this woman that pains you to see her because seeing her just as – uh, you know, rubs your nose and what you're going to lose and in the end of this relationship, don't see her. End it now. Hi, Dan. I am 25, straight, and currently single. My problem is my sexual fantasies. My whole life, my sexual fantasies have been of rape, bondage, humiliation, etc. Basically, the sicker it is, the more it turns me on. Whenever I masturbate, this is what I think about, and imagining any kind of consensual, consensual sex really does nothing for me. I can get off with engaging in sexual activities with guys in person without these fantasies coming into play, but it's not on the same level as when I'm by myself and imagining them. My problem is that I've never felt comfortable with these fantasies of rape and humiliation because I think they're really kind of sick. I'm too embarrassed and ashamed to tell anyone, let alone a guy I'm dating or hooking up with. I'm not even sure I like the idea of incorporating these fantasies into my sex life. I feel like I'm carrying around some kind of dark secret. Meanwhile, I'm more turned on when masturbating than I'm with a guy in person, and this doesn't seem right. How can I come to terms with the things that turn me on? Your call broke my heart. Really? Yeah, kind of, because you say you're you're 25. Yeah. And your whole life, these, these sexual fantasies have dominated your erotic inner life. Your whole life is maybe a third over, maybe a quarter over. Uh-huh. When are you going to start acting on them? I don't know. <laughs> and you should act on them. Yeah, it's fucking sick, and the sicker it is, the more it turns you on. And you say, you know, imagining consensual sex does nothing for you. But when you actually indulge these fantasies with someone who shares them or someone who wants to indulge you because turning you on turns them on, mm-hmm. it's consensual. So you can imagine a BDSM rape scenario, and it can be completely consensual. In, right. in practice, even if part of what you're doing in the fantasy realm is suspending disbelief and imagining it all sort of happening to you against your will because you're, you know, the victim, right? Um, but you are in charge of it and you are in control of it. And 
You say you're too embarrassed and ashamed to tell anyone, to tell the people that you're with. And, and yeah. that's kind of sad, because then you'll never realize these fantasies. There are people out there who share them, and I get nice, sort of sad, pathetic letters every day from good, good-looking, thoughtful, feminist guys who are troubled by their fantasies of you know domination and submission, uh, because mm-hmm. it sort of rankles them. But they're thoughtful about it and sensitive about it, and they're not just all, you know, drooling sadists and sexists and horrible guys. There are nice guys out there who want to do to you the things that you want done to you in a consensual, mutually pleasurable fashion. But you can't ever find one if you won't be honest with the guys that you date or go looking for a guy who shares your fantasies. It's what the Internet was designed for. The internet is this great tool where you can be open about your sexual fantasies on, in personal ads like at adultfriendfinder.com and a million other places and screen out guys, give you the creeps, meet guys who you, you are attracted to, who share these fantasies, and you know you should meet them in public, you should know their real names, you should know their real phone numbers. Um, you never want to put yourself in a situation where someone you know renders you helpless and you don't know who they are. And you have to establish trust first before you do some of the things that you want to do and you want to take baby steps. Right. But you need to do them. And you know what? I guess that, I, I mean, I don't like the idea of, you know, having sex with someone I, I don't really know. I guess, I, it, for me, I, I feel like, you know, that's something I would only do with someone that I was in a relationship with. You could have relationships with people who are into S&M. Right. <laughs> People into S&M just don't have anonymous sex or one-off rooms. <laughs> there are people in yeah. S&Ms who, who, who are married <laughs> and, you know, love each other. Uh, right. They're not mutually exclusive phenomena. The other thing I wanted to, the other reason I want to encourage you to, like, start exploring this stuff is, mm-hmm. you know, until you take some of this stuff out for a test drive, you have no way of testing, you know, your actual turn-ons versus what is kind of appealing to you in your fantasy life and your imagination. You may mm-hmm. do some of the things that you've thought about, and they may do nothing for you. You know what I mean? You may take, you know, some aspects of your submissive fantasy life out for a spin and realize, well, you know, I thought that might be sexy and hot, but now that I've done it, I don't like it, so... It, scratch that one off. So some of the fantasy, you know, you're not exploring any of this, is allowing it to kind of escalate, right? Mm, maybe. And allowing some of it to build, because you're not, you know, most people, you know, before they become sexually active, think, oh, that'll be hot, that'll be hot, that'll be hot. Then they do it, and they think, well, that wasn't so hot, that wasn't so hot, right? <laughs> and then you, you, you refine your taste. You, you figure out what it is you actually do enjoy through experience, and the same applies for these fantasies. You know, part of what, you know, people who have more extreme sexual fantasies are doing is kind of scandalizing themselves, you know, by imagining the worst possible, most elaborate scenarios and sort of upping the ante. And until you're actually doing some things in reality, you, ha- you don't have to bring your fantasy life down to earth. You know, in your fantasies, you can be dismembered and put back together again. And in reality, you can't do that. Right, And you may find right. that, you know, when you start exploring some aspects of this, that just a little touch of this is all you need to, like, put you in the moment, to really turn your crank, and that right. these more elaborate scenarios you fantasized about are unnecessary, and it was just your mind spinning your twad around in circles for fun. <laughs> but in actual sex with an actual partner who you like and who likes you and perhaps you love and one day, 
you know, they love each other back and perhaps marry, that you only need, you know, a little bit of this sauce and not the whole fucking bucket of Tabasco you've been pouring over your head when you're married. <laughs> right. I guess I'm just scared of, you know, the reaction I would get from telling someone. And you should be. But that's yeah. part of what a relationship is about. You know, you have to make yourself vulnerable to that person. What you want to do is make sure that you're dating guys who are decent and nice and wouldn't be the kind of guys who, when you get to the you know mutual disclosing of fantasies moment, would mm-hmm. be an asshole to you about your very common, run-of-the-mill sexual fantasies. Dom-sub, you know, rape fantasies for women. These are... This isn't like, you know, you want to eat his shit or a goat on your wedding night, right? Right. There are whole, like, clubs and websites and parties, and there's a whole culture that's built up around your fetishes because they are so common. Right. And you should, you know, there's a large chance, there's, you know, the big chance that you may make this confession to the guy, and he looks at you and says, fucking Yahtzee, those are mine too. (laughs) <laughs> That's how common they are. But you have to, you know, be willing to take some risk. And you have to, you know, when you reveal yourself in this way, like I always say, don't trot it out like it's leukemia. This is a burden for the person that you're with. This is a perk. Mm-hmm. That you're not just looking to have missionary position vaginal intercourse for the next 60 fucking years <laughs> until you both bored senseless, right? right. Being with you means spark and creativity and fun and drama and cops and robbers with your pants off, which is what BDSM is. Mm-hmm. Okay. you got to accept it. And you got to be, you know, there's tons of reading out there, tons of reading material. You should get out there, you should get online, you should read. You know, do a little baby step out. Put a personal ad up on a BDSM or a kink website. And just read what comes in. Go to the forums. Read in the, a lot of them have really good forums. Just Google Kink personals, just get out there and start digging around and acclimating yourself to what is, sorry to say, your community. <laughs> Likes it or not. Okay? Right. I guess, I don't know. I guess I just don't know, like, how I think of myself apart from this and where this sort of fits into my, my I don't know, my identity, I guess. Um... It's It's compartmentalized. Right. You you really have to think of it as this drama, this eroticized drama that appeals to you. It is Civil War reenactors with (laughs) hard-ons. Wow. It is play. It's not some grand fucking psychodrama. It doesn't impugn your character. It doesn't mean you're secretly not, you know, a feminist or you don't believe women are equal. There are misogynists who are into S&M, just like there are misogynists who are not into S&M. Right? There are self-hating women who are into S&M, just like there are self-hating women who aren't into S&M. It tells us nothing about your character that you're kinky. It just tells us something about your erotic imagination and what turns you on. Okay. (laughs) Have a good Thanks one. A lot. You're welcome. Give us a call back in six months and tell us what you've done. 
Um, my question is, uh, I broke up with my boyfriend about a year ago after going out with him for three years, and now I'm ready to date again, get out there. And uh, I'm wondering if you have any suggestions for someone who wants to meet someone who's really easygoing, laid back, artsy, funny, and not intimidated by a girl who has an, a, a really good education behind her, a really good job, and who wants to be independent, but have someone great to complement her life. Um, I found a lot of guys uh, get intimidated by funny girls, because I happen to be pretty funny. Um, not right now while I'm saying this podcast, but uh, while I'm saying this question, but, you know, usually I am. And they are also intimidated by the fact that I do have a master's degree in architecture. Um, and so some guys think that they have to overcompensate by uh, trying to put me down, you know. So anyway... So I'm trying to find someone who's easygoing and who likes to laugh and who doesn't want, uh, who doesn't feel intimidated. And uh, I was wondering if you have any suggestions of where I could look. I find internet dating kind of creepy. Not that it's not, it's just not for me. Not that I'm judging anybody else, but just not for me. I don't really have any suggestions. I really don't. Uh, Besides, if you find internet ads creepy, uh, tough shit. They're the way people date now that it's illegal to hit on people at work. Um, and, you know, we don't have arranged marriages. Uh, most of us don't in Canada. Uh, so you really are kind of stuck with going out of the house, leaving the house with your friends, uh, meeting packs of guys in bars, uh, or internet dating, or just being sort of open and available when you're out running around in your regular life uh, to the men that you meet. Um, I'm sorry. It is a truth that there are a lot of guys out there who are intimidated by funny women, women uh, who have more education than they do, women who have uh, higher paying jobs than they do because a lot of uh, you know male self-esteem unfortunately is wrapped up in being bigger and stronger and uh, you know having a larger income and smarter than the girl in their lives so that they can take care of and protect and – since you're aware of that because you're smart and you probably already knew that and if you're not smart or as smart as you claim and I just told you that and this is the first time you've heard it, what this means is you're just going to have to work a little harder to find a mate. You're going to have to find a guy who's less educated than you are, uh, isn't quite as funny as you are uh, but whose self-esteem isn't wrapped up in being funnier and richer and smarter than his girlfriend or you're going to have to find a guy who's funnier than you, smarter than you, richer than you uh, who doesn't sort of feel it uh, when he's with you, who isn't threatened by your success, your income, or your education. Uh, they're out there. You're just going to have to look a little harder to find the right guy for you. Um, but really, who can't say that about their own peculiarities? Did I just really describe educated women as peculiar? That's not going to go over well. Hi, Dan. I'm sitting here um, in San Francisco with a friend of mine. Um who is a gay man who does escort work. Um, he's, he does erotic massage. <clears throat> he's HIV positive, and he uses um, like gay networking sites to find clients. And he doesn't disclose his HIV status on these sites. Um, he doesn't say that he's negative, but he doesn't say that he's positive either. And sometimes he has unprotected sex with clients, and he says that this is okay. Um, because they choose it, and if they ask, he says he's positive, and then you choose a condom or whatever. But um, but he doesn't disclose this right off the bat. Um, and I'm wondering, 
what you think about this. I think it's completely unethical um, and that he needs to be upset about his HIV status. What he wants to talk serious. Hello, Dan. Okay, so look, there is a big community in San Francisco that, you know, that takes part in bareback sex. Now, the thing about bareback sex is that in San Francisco, if no one talks about it, if I don't talk about it, and if my partner, my client does not talk about it, then there is the underlying assumption that both of us have it. But it's kind of like a don't ask, don't tell thing. Now, if a person that doesn't have it, just is concerned and doesn't want to get it or doesn't want to do anything, then they voice their concern and say, oh, condom time or how, how are you clean and stuff like that. And then at that point, I am honest. I am honest because I would feel kind of like really shitty as a person if I had to like lie to someone and it turns out that I am. So I don't do that shit. But if they don't ask, then I don't tell. And if they don't ask me, then I don't actually that I'm reading redundant. Anyway, it's okay in San Francisco because the concentration of the HIV disease is big here. Everyone pretty much has it. All right. Thanks, Dan. Let us know what you think. Bye. Yeah, I wonder why the concentration of HIV is so big in San Francisco. What with everyone operating under this don't ask, don't tell policy. Um, in answer to the original caller's question to the lady, I do think it is unethical. Uh, I think it's wildly unethical. Um, I get that there that people should assume that the person that they're with is HIV positive until proven otherwise. We should all be taking measures to protect our safety and our health. Uh, on our own accord of our own initiative and not putting all that responsibility on our partner. However, uh, you, uh, the young man doing escort work, you know what you know about your health. You can't know what's going through the mind of your client at that moment where they decide because uh, perhaps they're ignorant or naive to take that risk to have unprotected sex. It really – the onus morally and ethically is on you to establish at that moment that you're with someone who is already HIV positive and isn't concerned about reinfection or any other possible STIs that he may contract at that moment from an escort with whom he's having unprotected sex or you risk infecting some dumb fuck conventioneer who's in San Francisco from Omaha, Nebraska where he's got a wife and four kids – who doesn't know any better, who isn't up on this whole underlying assumption that colors every interaction in San Francisco. It's wrong. It is your job at that moment to disclose. And if, as you assert, everyone in San Francisco knows what the score is and that HIV is so prevalent that this is the way things work or ought to work, then it doesn't change anything about that interaction. It won't change anything about any of your interactions except for that one perhaps interaction that you have with someone who is young and stupid or naive as fuck and doesn't realize the risk he's taking at that moment. And that is that person's idiocy and I don't excuse that. But that doesn't excuse – their idiocy and their naivete in that moment doesn't excuse your amoral actions. And they are just amoral. I do not care what the fuck everyone assumes the deal is in San Francisco or New York or anywhere else. 
You have responsibilities. We have responsibilities to each other. Hi, Dan. Uh, I'm a 24-year-old gay male, and I have a problem. I was wondering if you would have some insight on. Um, I recently found a guy, super hot guy, super hot foreign guy, uh, who is HIV positive. And I never thought I would find myself in this kind of situation. I just thought, no matter who I found who is HIV positive, it was a no, I don't want to put myself in that situation. No guy is worth it. Yada, yada, yada. But here I am with somebody who I don't even, you know, I don't even know him very well, but he's super hot. And I, you know, I'm still seeing him. I don't know why. I mean, and I asked uh, some friends, you know, if I'm stupid and I got mixed advice. One friend was like, you should never do that. I don't know why you're putting yourself in that situation. The other one was like, I dated. He was an older one. He said, I, I dated an HIV positive guy. And it didn't last long, and we were safe and whatever. And like I said, I don't. For someone I don't even know, am I stupid for seeing him still? I mean, I know you can safely get around this. Well, relatively safely get around this stuff. But I mean, it's life or death virus, you know. So anyway, I don't know what to do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see him again. I'm seeing him again tonight. But if for somebody that I don't necessarily care that much about yet you know maybe i could but is it dumb to date somebody like this so the follow-up question i wanted to ask you is this how do you know this guy is positive yeah he told me so he told you so that is so important that is so crucial that tells us so much about him he disclosed which was which was the right thing for him to do oh i know he i mean he's been perfect throughout all this, you know, like, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't know how much I, you know, or just started dating, I didn't know how much I liked him, but, I mean, he, before we even met or anything, he let me know, when I told him that I was worried about it, he, I mean, he, he suggested that we stop seeing each other, and, you know, until I, until I had it worked out in my head, and I was like, no, I, you know, <laughs> I'll try to work it out, because I wanted to. Because he's and still so, hot. No. <laughs> it seems like that's what you kept you, coming back to, was your well, like, you have no idea. <laughs> decisions you made in the past because of his scorching degree of hotness. I know. I, I hate that. Like, I feel like an idiot for doing that. I mean, he is super hot. And, like, he, you know, we're, it's not only that, but we're, like, super hot together, you know, and that's a big deal. And, you know, that's, that's totally fine. And, and a lot of people wind up, you know, reopening decisions they thought they'd, you know, topics they thought were closed for discussion uh, because they're inspired to by somebody's hotness or their attraction to somebody. And people will revisit, you know, decisions you they made about kinks they won't, they, they won't indulge in or risks they won't take. Uh, you are currently re-examining decisions you thought you had made that were final about risks you're willing to assume to be with this guy. Right. And that's cool, but you have to be you have to be down with that. You have to accept your responsibilities here. Um, is he on uh, meds? How is his viral yeah. load? There's all sorts of info that you can take into account while you're making decisions about what sort of... Uh, what the risk level is here. And if he's on meds and he's disclosing and you guys are perfectly safe, your risk is really, really small. That's what everyone told me, but I can't, honestly, I can't stop thinking about it. Like, I've been kind of, I mean, not flipping out, but it's on my mind all the time. Like, I don't know how to get around it, really. Right. Can I, uh, have you guys had sex yet? Yes. (laughs) I think that's why I'm freaking out, because... 
Like, I mean, I normally I I really think about stuff like this, or I I ruled it out completely. You know, I hadn't given it much. So, what kind of sex did you have? Who fucked who? What did you do? He fucked me. We had a condom, and we had unprotected oral both ways, and then of course all the you know the regular stuff of rolling, rolling around and all that stuff. Did he right? ejaculate while he was inside you with the condom on? No, no. So he pulled yeah, out was, before he ejaculated. That's right, yeah. At your request, or was that his initiative? That was his initiative. I didn't even ask. Like, I was I was paying attention the whole time, you know, like, do, do I have any cuts anywhere? I wasn't, it, I wasn't, like, paranoid about it. I mean, it didn't, like, get in the way of the sex or anything, but I was really aware. And so I don't... I don't know why I'm so paranoid because, like, during it, I think I'm just so paranoid because I never, I never thought it through beforehand, or not, not as much as I normally do. Right. But well, thinking back, I mean, I don't, I can't think of anything that was like that was wrong, you know. Right. You know, I want to tell you, I want to put you at ease about this. You know, there's, I know people personally who are in zero discordant relationships, which is the technical term for one guy's positive and one guy's not, or one woman is and one guy isn't. Um, uh-huh. who have been in these zero-discordant relationships for years and years and years, and the partner has not zero-converted. The, the negative partner the has not become told you about? Pardon? I said, and they do the stuff you just, that I just told you about? Take, doing the stuff that you just told me about? Like all the sex activities yeah. that I just told you about. Yeah. However, there is... You are assuming some small risk here, and you have to accept your responsibility for assuming those risks. You know, there are also people who have been in zero-discordant relationships who have zero-converted. And you can't put that all on him. You can't, be, you know, be the victim of his hotness or his... Uh, I know, I know. I, don't, I, I feel like, I don't, I mean, he's, not, he's out of town for a few days, so I haven't really been talking with him about it for the past few days, but I don't want to put, I mean... Just, just as a regular human being, there's no reason why another why I should be putting him through anything like that. I mean, it's all my problem, you know. Right. As far as dealing with it in my head, well, so I don't no, want to do your, that. Well, it's your problem together as a couple. If you guys are going to date and perhaps get serious, then you know, protecting your health and, and HIV in the West, where you have access to life-saving drugs and treatments, is not necessarily a life or death virus anymore. It's not like if you get infected, you're going to die. Uh, in six months or a year or five years or ten years, uh, necessarily. Um, but you have to decide for yourself, as you're dating him, what, you know, the relative risks of different sex acts and what you're willing to engage in, how much of a risk for him you're willing to take. However, the risks you're running are really, really low. If you use condoms yes, religiously um, and correctly... Yeah. I mean, I do, I do all the time. And I you mean, don't. And, and, you know, you could be having the exact same sex with other guys that you've dated before and will date after if this doesn't work out with him who are not aware that they are positive or have not disclosed their positive status to you, even if they're aware of it. So it's not like, you know, if you run off, if you dump this guy because he's positive, you're never going to be taking these exact same risks again in your life. In my, in my head, I've at least the past couple of days, I've, in my head, I basically already have it, and I'm like, you know... You need to chill the fuck out, and you need to go yeah. get tested to, to, to set yourself at ease. You know, 
I almost hate to bring this up because I because I, I I think it's wrong, but I believe it was. Uh, I, I won't mention the country because I can't think of it off the top of my head. I don't have a computer right in front of me to Google it. But there's a country. Uh, the you know the health department of a certain country said that if a guy's you know viral load is so infinitesimally low, um, he can be considered non-infectious. Um, so you should, you know, you have to take into consideration, you know, the state of his health is also relative, and the state of his viral load is relative to the risks you're running. So, you know, even if he was at his most infectious, which is, you know, six, shortly after he was infected himself, he would have been at his most infectious, and you were being very cautious and using condoms, um, your risks are low. If his viral load is low and if he's being treated and if he's in really good health, your risks are even lower. All that is the case. I mean, he said it's undetectable. It's been two years since he's been infected. You really think I should stop worrying so much about it? You need to put it at rest. If you're going to keep dating him, you need to resolve to stop worrying about it. Commit yourself to take the steps that you need to take to protect yourself from infection. And then you need to let him off the hook. He doesn't need this stress in his life either of you dancing right. around the whole time like he's you know, got a gun to your head when he doesn't. So do you think I'm a horrible person if I decide to stop seeing him? No. Just because of that? No, I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't know if I can deal with it. I, mean, I don't think I've that... I've really been trying, but... You know, there zero sorting, which is, you know, sort of invented in San Francisco, uh, which San Francisco came up earlier, that's why I'm saying the name of the city like that, uh, yeah. isn't just for pause guys, although that's kind of how it got started, where guys who were positive didn't want to deal with, you know, the nervousness of negative guys or, you know, the guilt of infecting somebody that they loved or by accident. Um, so, so pause guys said, I'm just going to sleep with pause guys. And some neg guys are now saying, I'm just going to sleep with neg guys. And the zero sorting for pause guys is pretty, is, you know, really effective because if you're positive, you're positive and you know it. The problem with neg guys zero sorting is that there are a lot of guys out there who believe that they're negative or have incentive to lie about being negative, or to not go and check their zero status, who you could end up with and be infected by, who told you that they were negative. So zero sorting isn't as effective, uh, you know, an HIV infection prevention strategy for neg guys. And it doesn't get you off the hook. You know, you're an out gay guy, you're in your early 20s, you're going to date and, and have relationships and have sex. You're going to... You know, running away from this one guy isn't going to get you, isn't going to protect you from other pos people that you may wind up in bed with who may not know that they're positive. And, you know, over the course of your life, there's some chance that you may, doing everything right, using condoms, get infected. That risk is part of the price of admission for having a grown-up sex life that involves some intimacy. Right. I think, you know, I don't think you'd be a bad person if you dumped him. I think it would be a bit irrational. You really think that over the course of my life is that big of a chance that I could get it anyway? I mean, well, no, like, I didn't say there's that big of a chance you could get it anyway. So there's some well, risk. Well, no, I mean, I put myself at basically the same amount of risk uh, generally, you think? I think having protected sex using condoms and he does not ejaculate inside you and only having oral sex when your mouth is in really good shape and uh, while his viral load is really low is less, you know, having that kind of sex with somebody who you know to be positive who you've taken all these steps with is less risky 
than having protected sex with a series of guys who do not know whether they are positive or not. Okay. I still got to think about it. You do need to think about it. And, you know, you can, you can throw something out there to him and say, you know, the riskiest sex that you're having is the anal sex. Right? That's probably why you're yeah. freaking the fuck out, because he put his dick right. in you. That's exactly right. Well, then don't have anal sex. You can you can say I want to date you, I want to fuck around, I want to have orgasms with you. That just like right now you can hold out your ass as a carrot for later if you guys actually get really serious about each other. Right now that just is too stressful for me. Can we enjoy other kinds of sex? And see what he says. He sounds like a decent, good guy who would probably be down with that. Okay, I think I'll I think I'll run that by him. Uh, yeah. But if you can't chill out about it, you know, he doesn't... I know, right? He doesn't, <laughs> doesn't even he doesn't sound need, like I'm chilling out right now. <laughs> doesn't sound like you're chilling out. But, you know, if you can't chill out about it, he doesn't need this kind of anxiety in his life. Setting aside whether you would be a good person or a bad person to dump him over this. Right. He may decide to dump you over your stress levels about this for his own sanity. It's not just your decision. Yeah, you're right. I'll run this by him. <laughs> okay. Take a deep breath. I was with a pause guy in a relationship for a year and had so much goddamn sex <laughs> and didn't uh, get infected. All right? Okay. Thanks a lot, out. Dan. I appreciate it. Sure thing. Bye. Well, we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number if you'd like to record a question for a future podcast and you know you want to. You download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com. And uh, once again, the intro and outro music by The Popovers, and you can find out more about them at myspace.com slash thepopovers. Thanks very much, everybody. Me and the tech-savvy at-risk youth will be back at you with another podcast next week. <laughs>